Welcome to Piedmont Arts, made possible by Quo Vadis and Ortho Carolina. I'm Rachel Stewart. The Winston-Salem Symphony is kicking off its 75th anniversary year with concerts on January 8th and 9th called Celebrate. There are two conductors on the bill, Joanne Folletta and Karen Nivren, as well as pianist Alexandra Dariescu. Karen Nivren is the symphony's assistant conductor and is one of Ireland's leading young conductors. And Joanne Folletta is one of the most renowned conductors working today. ASCAP has called her a leading force for music of our time. She's music director of the Buffalo Philharmonic and is familiar to North Carolina audiences as principal guest conductor of the Brevard Music Center. She's also the recipient of a number of awards, including Grammys, and that includes the 2021 Grammy for Best Choral Performance. So both of you, thanks so much for uh, being on Piedmont Arts today. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure. You know, it's interesting to have two conductors on a program, and I'm just curious um, how that came about and how the program was chosen, the music on the program. Well, let me just say how, how, uh, how I found out about it, and I think it's a great thing. It, it seems that Karen had talked uh, last season about having a presence on the concerts, and I think it's wonderful because, you know, we have... Uh, and all of our orchestras, we have assistants, and we often don't give them enough time to actually make music in concert. So I thought that was a fantastic plan. And uh, she already had chosen the Shostakovich Festival Overture. So she will be opening, actually, she'll be opening this year. She'll be opening the 75th year with that wonderful, glorious celebratory piece. And uh, that's, it's a great thing. So Karen, you chose the Shostakovich. Can you tell us why? I chose the Shostakovich. We decided to put off our 75th by a couple of months. Usually when we do anything, any organization does it over a season, but we decided we wanted to celebrate the year and COVID had an impact on that too. And we just hoped that we would be back with full audience, full orchestra like we are, which is so exciting having recorded all last year and not had that energy in the house. Um, and part of it was that celebration. And as Joanne put so beautifully, it's just such a blast to, to start the season and has everybody involved that we haven't been able to have involved up until this point. So that was part of the reasoning behind it. So who chose the other two works? Was it you, Joanne? Well, I think the Greek was chosen in advance by the soloist and I'm, I'm delighted to do that. I love that piece and I don't know Alexandra, so I'm really looking forward to getting to know her artistry and working with her for the first time. And I think I suggested Tchaikovsky for probably among a list of pieces and the orchestra liked that idea. So I think it is a great way to open the 75th and you should celebrate. And as Karen said, you know, we haven't been able to do things in a big way for a long time. I mean, many of us were not, were not making music at all. And then we started with small groups and, uh, and this is, uh, I guess for me, probably the biggest concert uh, in terms of orchestration that I've done since March of 2020. So it's a big deal. I'm really looking forward to it. So how are you rehearsing? Is everybody coming back on the same stage together? And how's that oh, working? Until this point, we very much being in small groups. We've had two concerts this year where we're, we're back with more players, essentially. But we've also been playing maybe uh, each string player has their own stand as opposed to being able to be right beside each other but luckily we've had four concerts now where we've been on stage so since September of this year we've been there but up until then yes it was like 
people in their own little box in their own bubble with you know miles away from each other on the stage and we could only have a certain amount of woodwinds or um, I became really crafty at when people would say you're only allowed a certain amount of people on stage so I would say okay well clarify the stage for me does that mean just this box and I had um, brass in the stalls facing the stage because that technically wasn't the stage so I could get around it that way so up until May we had our biggest was 42 people on stage uh, but this thankfully is everybody literally beside each other like energy I'm not going to say shoulder to shoulder but it's so nice to make music when you can physically feel that presence beside you as opposed to guessing what it's like five feet away from you so this will be this will be fantastic to have all of that there Joanne what kind of ensembles have you been leading in the last two years during the the height of the pandemic, we, we, we had concerts every other week in Buffalo, but our orchestra was limited to 25 people and we had no audiences. We filmed everything and they watched it on, on a video. But it was great because we were able to do a repertoire that we normally don't do. We normally do very big repertoire. And so it was a way of getting to know each other in a more intimate way. It was fabulous. I think we, we made so much progress and growth artistically in that year. And then in September of this season, just starting this season, we started with more normal of uh, situation. Our strings are still wearing masks, but they're sitting together on a stand. And our woodwinds and brass, of course, are managing without masks. And uh, so uh, I think we're back to normal now, or we will be getting back to normal. And that makes everybody happy. Karen, are you going to help prepare for the Tchaikovsky and the Grieg at all since you're in Winston-Salem? Or does all the musicians say go home and do their work and then they come in? Is that how that is? That's exactly it. They'll all do their work. And then Joanne will be at the helm on Wednesday night, the first Wednesday after the holidays. And it'll beautifully come together. Generally, when I'm assisting, I sit in the hall and I'm on standby for whatever is needed, if it's balance or we have a beautiful hall in Winston-Salem, but the acoustics are always different. And especially, I'm sure Joanne knows more than me, when you travel, every hall is different and they all have their own characteristics. And if you're on risers or not on risers, the sound is always so, so different. So I love that. I love being the extra pair of ears in the hall, sitting back listening and getting the players feedback. So that's what I'll be doing. How hard is it for you to adjust, Joanne, to the different halls when you travel? You know, it depends. If it's a very unusual hall with a kind of odd sound, I really do rely on, on the assistant or the associate. And, and I will be relying on Karen, although I remember it is a not very nice hall from when I was here before. But she will help a lot with identifying any problems that I might not be aware of on the podium. Is the brass too loud? Or can we not hear the woodwinds? Or are the basses not coming through? And she can, can really help me with that. And then she'll have her own time on the podium to prepare the Shostakovich. So we have to get a lot done in, in that period from Wednesday night to the weekend. So I wanted to ask you both about being uh, conductors. You're at different stages in your careers. You're both women. Classical music, um, I think, is opening up and diversifying. But I just wonder, you know, as uh, Joanne, as somebody who's been doing this for a while, I'm kind of curious about your perspective of how it is for women in classical music, particularly women conductors. And Karen, I'd love to contrast that 
maybe with what you've you're experiencing now coming along you know a few years after Joanne so Joanne well when I started to study um at Juilliard I mean it was very rare for women to be conducting orchestras they maybe have had 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 more presence on uh choral podiums but it was still very very rare for orchestra uh, conductors to be women and um I assumed that it would open up very quickly and that it would change very quickly because the door had opened for me and was starting to open for, for other people as well. But it took a lot longer than I thought, Rachel. And um, where I would have thought maybe in 10 years or 20 years, 15 years, uh, we wouldn't be referring to women as women conductors or, you know, or having to qualify it. But finally now, I think it is changing. And I think in the last five years, there's almost been an explosion of, of opportunity and openness to women on the podium. And I hope that Karen is finding that too. And I don't know if she'd have to address that, but, but I think it's different. So a question for Joanne, you know, was it just your sense of optimism that like kept you hanging in there and kept you pushing forward? You know, you said you thought it would happen sooner than it did. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just my love of the orchestra. I, that's why I wanted to become a conductor. And I feel like I'm living my dream because I, I fell in love with the orchestra as an organization, as a team. I think it's the greatest team in the world and the repertoire. So uh, I think that's kept me going every day of my life I and mean, being in the middle of that extraordinary art with extraordinary artists. So um, uh, it's been wonderful. Karen, how, is, how has it been for you? I've been really lucky coming to it later and having amazing people like Joanne ahead of me breaking down barriers so that my generation, as Joanne said, has you know, we've had it easier, literally. Uh, I did one of my first radio interviews maybe about seven or eight years ago. I got myself caught up and I said, well, I'm not a female. And what I was trying to say was I'm not a female conductor. I'm a conductor who is female because I've never wanted to put myself in in that bracket. I'm, you know, that's exactly how I feel I am. I'm just a conductor and I just happen to be female and, and that's where it is. But I haven't really, I mean, there's been a few grumblings in my early days, um, my early 20s. I looked quite young, so I would arrive at things, you know, to take over a choir rehearsal or something, and they'd say, oh, are you joining us tonight? And I said, yeah, I'm joining you to conduct you. And they go, oh, oh very good. <laughs> you know, here you go. And so you kind of, I had to get through a lot of that. But like Joanne, it's the love of it. And I I'm a person who doesn't do things by half. So if I really want to do something, I really do it. And I've kept myself strong, I think, by surrounding myself by very strong people. And Joanne won't know this, but when I was in Trinity, she was the principal guest conductor at the Ulster Orchestra. So even though our paths never crossed, I felt amazing knowing that there was another female conductor on the island of Ireland, a stone's throw away that was doing it and so you know I would follow what she was doing and see what she was doing and, and knowing that that was there I never doubted it and I am lucky that you know doing it in the last 10 years last 15 years it's not what it was before that and I'm just eternally grateful to everybody you know however they identify but all of those people that have broken down those barriers and that don't see it as a difference so yeah I've been really lucky to have great people ahead of me that I can look up to and aspire to be. In a related question is the notion of repertoire and how that seems to be opening up a little bit as well. And Joanne, I know that you've been a real champion for American music. 
and also other composers that we don't hear all the time. What was it two years ago that you had a uh, Buffalo had a re recording of um, how did you call it? It was composers that you that are some of your favorites, right? Oh, but that wow. we don't hear all the time. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I I was lucky in that I had a very a very traditional conducting training, which meant all of the the male conductors of the you know of the eighteen hundreds mostly, but but. Um, I became interested with my work with the Women's Philharmonic in San Francisco, first of all, in music written by women, women of the past and, and women who were living today. And then when I began to work in Buffalo, Noxos reached out to us and asked us to start a, a recording relationship with them. And they wanted um, music that no one else knew. Uh, not necessarily contemporary, but... but uh, Music we had to find, we had to discover and, and perform and record. So I am very interested in unusual music in, in every way. And I think, and also having more time in the pandemic to actually do research has given me the space I needed and wanted to continue to explore the repertoire. I spent a lot of time looking into composers of diversity and found just treasure after treasure. And I think our repertoire is really opening up too. It's, it's changing, uh, it's becoming more relevant to our time. It's speaking in a 21st century voice, which is important, but it's also going back and finding composers who were neglected for, for uh, no good reason and, and bringing them back to life. So it's a very exciting time in the orchestra repertoire world. Yeah, it, it actually is in the classical radio world, too, because with your discovering this music and recording it, it gives us more variety and opportunity to diversify our playlist, too. So that's great. Karen, what are your thoughts on all of this? I echo Joanne's sentiments. I think it's a, a really exciting time, no more than last year. You know, I always try to find the positives in everything. What are we learning from this situation? Why has this been given to us? What are we going to come out with? And the fact that we were forced not to do large orchestral works was amazing. All of this repertoire that we ignore or, you know, we want full orchestras. So starting there was, was one part, but then seeing what we could do with what was around us. And a lot of that were arrangements. We're having to dig in to see what was there and really open our eyes and ears to be surrounded by it. I've been lucky enough to do a lot of new music um, in my career so far, either be it on courses, conducting courses where you're paired with a young composer or just in my, in my training or in the university that I'm teaching at at the moment. And I'm loving it. And I'm loving the parallel between as a young conductor, learning how to address the needs of the composer that's sitting there beside you. And then it makes me think more about the older 1800s romantic music, how I'm addressing that then when I can't phone up Tchaikovsky and say, you know, what did you mean at this point? It's, it's making me think more along those lines and it's opening everybody's ears. And what I've loved about it in this community is um, I'm a big educator where I can be. And so through the youth orchestra program, I've been trying to do a lot of this and getting them to meet and know the composers have been amazing. Like we just did a piece by this fantastic woman who's 100 years young based in Winston-Salem. And so we did a piece, I 
premiered it at our first classics concert and we did it at a celebratory concert and then I found a piece she'd written for youth orchestra some 30 years ago that she'd forgotten she'd written for youth orchestra and we had retypeset and she came in and explained her concept be behind it and the kids were just so taken with it like wow gosh this music exists this woman's right still writing and it's just making it more relevant to everybody audiences children ourselves the musicians that it's tangible you can feel it it's right there and I think that in itself breaks down barriers because it opens it up to everybody and we feel it's accessible. Remind me of that composer's name. That was Margaret Sandresky. Yes, yes, that's right. Well, I want to thank you both for your time and for talking to us today. It's It's been great to, to hear from you. Well, thank you, Rachel. And thank you for giving me the chance to meet Karen before I meet her in person. So I'm <laughs> delighted that we're going to be working together. I'm really looking forward to it. And thanks, Rachel. This was great. My guests have been Karen Nivrin, who is the assistant conductor with the Winston-Salem Symphony, and Joanne Folletta, who is music director of the Buffalo Philharmonic and principal guest conductor of the Brevard Music Center. And they will be leading a concert together uh, January 8th and 9th, the kickoff for the Winston-Salem Symphony's 75th anniversary year. I'm Rachel Stewart. Thanks for listening to Piedmont Arts, made possible by Quo Vadis and Ortho Carolina.